Hope punk, hope punk, hope punk? Say it three times fast, use it in a sentence, spell it out. What is it, and why does Star Wars need more of it? Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to this episode where we are discussing the theme, the genre, the term, hope punk. Yeah. I think that Caitlin and I have been feeling quite down in 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think that. I kind of reached this point where last night I was like, we have to, I, this has been on the episode list for a while that I, we wanted to talk about this because it was, it it just feels so relevant to like what we want to see in storytelling and we'll get into that. But the term hope punk, it just feels like what we need. I feel like we are drowning in depressing, sad content and like stories that were, yes, developed like a year or two years ago, but all compounded in this year, which feels so rough. So I think that we just needed to talk about what we love about this subgenre that deserves more recognition and just kind of discuss what it is in like a really casual setting. I'm no expert. I didn't come up with this term and Caitlin isn't either. So I think that we're just excited to talk about this. Yeah, I think we've kind of reached our breaking point. I feel like there was A show that I watched had a really bad ending recently. There was some new Tross news that came out on the internet recently. And it just kind of like within a 48 hour period. And I feel like the internet, at least like my and Charlotte's corner of it, kind of spiraled (laughs) (laughs) for for, uh, about 48 hours of just like, why is everything so sad? (laughs) And in our storytelling and in the real world too. So I think we kind of felt that this is a term that, I mean, this, this, this is a new term. I wouldn't say that it's anything that's like, it hasn't been around for 20 plus years. It was a term that was coined by someone on Tumblr, right? Named Alexander Mm -hmm. Roland, who coined the term hope punk in 2017. And I hadn't even really heard of it until earlier this year. So it's not something that I think a ton of people necessarily know about, um, but it's it's a really interesting term, and I think that it describes a lot of what we need in the in the real world, honestly. But then, what I think kind of gets at the basis of what we're hoping for from Star Wars in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Before we kind of dive too far in, I just want to say that this episode is probably it's not a three parter; it's a two parter. Because I just, we couldn't really think of a third part for this. And I think that this is a natural two part episode. So why don't we just jump in, Caitlin, and talk it out, unless you have anything else to say at the top of the show here? You know, I don't. Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) So in part one, we're going to be discussing and defining what hope punk is. And in part two, we'll be talking about it in Star Wars and why we need it now. 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 (laughs) (laughs) So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? So welcome to part one where we're discussing what hope punk is. So Caitlin kind of brought it up in the beginning. This is a term that was coined on Tumblr in 2017 by Alexander Rowland, Roland, um, 
with this post and it is called it is, it's a very short post but this is i guess the first time it was brought up the opposite of grimdark is hope punk pass it on so i think just in general i feel like this this tumblr post is a really good one just be short to the point everything about this is like wow we need this because in 2017 i think that i don't know i think that a lot of media at least in the past 10 years, has felt really like the dystopian elements, the negativity, the violence. And I think at this point, we should probably define grimdark too, because in this, you know, revolutionary statement of the opposite of grimdark is hope punk, should probably define grimdark. You know grimdark, you've seen it. Grimdark is a genre of fiction, especially in fantasy fiction, characterized by disturbing, violent, or bleak subject matter in a dystopian setting. So I think for me, the most grimdark thing that I can think of off the top of my head is probably Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say up top of the show that I don't necessarily think grimdark is a bad genre. Like, I think that all genres have their merits and to continue and to write in a fictional universe like I think it's great to combine genres genre doesn't even really exist right I we've talked about this before we have a whole episode on genre um but I do think that in a time period where a lot you know everyone is just talking about how depressing 2020 is I think that in general when we talk about what media we want to consume it's not going to be the negative stuff (laughs) Some people do. Some people like that. But I think that after a while, you're going to the movie theater and you're seeing movie after movie that is just ceaselessly violent, very disturbing and quite depressing. And or in like in gray tone, too. I think that this was a major theme that was happening. I think while I do love The Dark Knight, I think that The Dark Knight is probably another one of those like that whole Batman series. While I do like it and I think it is great. It is dark, it is disturbing and violent, and it changed the comic book film industry forever, I think. And I think that since then, to me, that's kind of my armchair film history, is that like since then, the aughts have been defined by very violent CGI and very, very much, <sighs> too much disturbing content in um and dark content in in fiction when i think that as star wars fans something that i know that a lot of us gravitate to is just this hopeful nature of star wars when you ask anyone what star wars is about the number one thing people are always going to say right it's about hope like it's about hope i feel like you hear that all the time and i i feel like i'm monologuing a little bit right now but <laughs> I, I just I, f- I feel really strongly that to understand where we come from and why we want hope punk, we have to look at the film industry for the past like 20, 15, 20 years. Yeah, well, I think, you know, talking about with the Dark Knight and kind of the aughts and stuff, looking, it kind of reminds, it had me thinking about those, I think it was Tom Hanks who narrated all those series that was like the 60s. The 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, And then there's, like, the aughts, right? And mm-hmm. you have this this shift. And, and one of the, like, first episodes of, the, of that series was always about, like, what media was being created in that time. 
and the shift from like the 90s to the aughts is is pretty stark yeah <laughs> like <laughs> when you get into the aughts like you said we start getting a lot of these like darker toned stuff and that's because like we start having things like primetime and like hbo who yeah. are able to take on these darker themes and it's like wow how far will they go on television and mm-hmm. that was the whole like the whole shift was like let's see let's see how dark this can really get you know and I think that that is definitely something to keep in mind as far as like things talking about it, you know, right now, you know, from 2017, when this t- when this term was created to now in 2020, I think there's also this huge difference. A television show that ha- that is grim, dark versus a movie, because I think with a television show and, you know, I didn't finish Game of Thrones, but I certainly kept up with it and was online when it all went down (laughs) i think there's a huge difference between like going to a movie like a standalone movie for you know two and a half hours and seeing this like dark story unfold versus something that you're invested in for five to ten years and for something to end so in such in such a dark place it's like what was the point of all of this and especially like now and and, you know in this like 2017 to 2020 phase it's like what was the point of investing in all of these characters like to have this super dark story to to be in the trenches with these characters for so long and for it to end so sad Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think i think there's there's like you know, we talk about the difference in mediums and like television and and film a lot and how certain stories work better on television versus film. And and these days, right, you get like television stories that are that are cinematic in, in their budget and their cinematography and their acting like in all of that, like the the line is very thin between, I guess, like quality, which wasn't yeah. the case like 20, 30 years ago. Right. Totally. Uh, whereas now it's like, why would you invest all of this time and money and like emotional time in these characters? And it it's like it ends in death Mm -hmm. and it's like oh my god it's like that hurts so bad because in a way you you like they mean more to you than this like one-off movie and i think that something like game of thrones and you know how like we felt about the end of the rise of skywalker which that's of course is a movie but it's like a 40 year long running movie right (laughs) it's a movie uh, series that sprung from the ideas series so like you know it's kind of the same (laughs) and i think and then like the the show the um i don't want to talk about it because i don't want to give any spoilers because it did just air but the show that i was watching that had a very dark like unprompted ending is something i've been following since i was like 22 years old and it's like why (laughs) and these shows you know are based on hardship on uh struggle but on persevering through and to have like no reward at the end of that is so bleak and i think that that's the thing that i like about these terms like grimdark and hope punk is that the terms themselves are so evocative like we can say like it's a dark fantasy fiction right you're like, okay, like I know what that is. But when you say something like grimdark, it it kind of just paints a very different picture in your head, even though we could be talking about the same story. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, hope punk true. too is just very the hope and the punk, like they kind of don't go together, but then you put them together and you're like, oh, I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. I think another thing to mention too, if we're if we're going to start here with this like conversation about like how did we get here? Um, I think in 
in the early aughts and also recently, I suppose you can trace a reflection in the darkness that comes from media with this parallelism of the fact that the political system, the global political system was, you know, pretty marred by a newfound rise in terrorism. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is something that you can look to. I know that there are so many people who are listening who are familiar with like Steven Spielberg. I think Steven Spielberg's career is actually really fascinating because it really does go from childlike innocence to exploring the darker tones to kind of coming back to this exploration of childlike innocence. And that exploration of darker tones happened in the 90s and the early 2000s. And then now it's kind of coming back um, to kind of find a middle ground between the both of those two things. And I think that uh, there's no doubt in my mind that a rise in dystopian stories that end perhaps grim grimly are a reflection of the political system. And of course, this is something that comes up when you talk about Star Wars, because Star Wars has always been a reflection of George Lucas's own politics and how he views war. And I think that it it always, I don't know, it always comes up in terms of where if I'm thinking about George Lucas and his creation of Star Wars in this like optimistic sense, of course, it comes from all different angles and all those angles we've tried to talk about on the show from fairy tales to politics to, uh, I don't know, uh, westerns and sci-fi but like barely and all all these different things all these different influences that make up this pastiche that we love with star wars so just to kind of bring it back to hope punk i think star wars at its core and we'll talk about this later has always been hope punk <laughs> and let's define hope punk alexander rowland tweet uh tweeted that uh posted that on tumblr and then was like whoa, whoa, whoa i have to Break further it. define this <laughs> Okay, so this is from Alexander Rowland about Hope Punk. Hope Punk says, no, I don't accept that. Go F yourself. The glass is half full. Yeah, we're all a messy mix of good and bad, flaws and virtues. We've all been mean and petty and cruel, but, and here's the important part, we've also been soft and forgiving and kind. Hope Punk says that kindness and softness doesn't equal weakness, and that in this world of brutal cynicism and nihilism, being kind is a political act, an act of rebellion. Homepunk says that genuinely and sincerely caring about something, anything, requires bravery and strength. Homepunk isn't ever about submission or acceptance. It's about standing up and fighting for what you believe in. It's about standing up for other people. It's about demanding a better, kinder world and truly believing that we can get there if we all care about each other as hard as we possibly can, with every drop of power in our little hearts. Going to political protests is homepunk. Calling your senators is homepunk. But crying is also hope punk because crying means that you have feelings and feelings are how you know you're alive. The 1% doesn't want you to have feelings. They just want you to feel resigned. Feeling resigned is not hope punk. Remember, hope punk isn't about moral perfection. It's not about being as pure and innocent as the new fallen snow. You get grubby when you fight. You make mistakes. You're sometimes a little bit of an asshole. Maybe you're as much as 50% an asshole. But the glass is half full, not half empty. You get up and you keep fighting and caring and trying to make the world a little better for the people around you. You get to make mistakes. It's a process. You get to ask for and earn forgiveness. And you love and you love and you love. So this is great. I feel this like deeply in my bones that this is what I want from stories, especially Star Wars. Again, like I said in the beginning, I really do think that there is a place for Grimdark. 
I do like some of those stories, but not always when it is more than 50% of what the offerings are or the popular piece of media is or the big budget media. And so when I hear things like crying is hope punk, I'm like, yes, emotions. Let's <laughs> get deep, you know. <laughs> and I I also really feel like there's nothing passive about hope punk either. It's about standing up and fighting and, you know, fighting for what you believe in. And I don't know. I just feel like that is just at its essence what George Lucas was trying to get at. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the thing that I really like about the, I guess a bit of a manifesto, like a very <laughs> tiny manifesto about Hope Punk is that it looks like a lot of different things. You know, there's nothing um, grand about calling a senator. There, there's not like a movie about that. The, the, there's not going to be like birds singing and like we will rock you playing in the background. You know what I mean? Like it's something like – It could if you wanted to. I mean but. like it could and I'm sure that exists in a movie somewhere. Like that's fine. You can at me about it with the scene. I'd like to see it actually. Um, <laughs> and like <laughs> political activeness is of course like very important. But like doing something that can seem very small, like making a phone call – can be a small action, you know, but it can have big ramifications at the same time, too. And also, like, this idea of, like, being, like, exceedingly kind, too, while also being bold enough to notice when something is not right. It has this, like, very, like, the hope and the punk, like, they really do go together because I think it's, like, sorry, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but, like, within this definition there is like this duality of all of these different things coming together to make like a really realized person. And I think when we're looking at this in like storytelling, right, like a very realized kind of character. And I think that's the kind of character that we all want. Like we don't and, and like you think about like female characters, right? Like we don't want her to be a, a strong female lead mm-hmm. like we're all we're all rolling our eyes when we hear that because so often when people write about a strong female lead it means that she can't have like all these other things like she shouldn't be in love because that's soft or that's weak or she shouldn't ever cry she has to be one of the boys like these are very stereotypical things but like this definition is like no you can go after these like in some cases like really hardcore things but you can also be a soft person who's like in love or is a teacher and like loves kids and or has like a fluffy dog. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) there's, there's like a lot of duality and especially at the end of the definition when they're talking about like sometimes you're a bit of an a-hole, maybe as much as 50% of an a-hole, but the glass is not half full, the glass is half full, not half empty. It's all about like your perspective on things. And I think like today when like, there's just so much going on and it seems like everyone like no one is perfect and it's hard to draw the line of like where do we forgive people versus where is it time to move on i think that this this genre this like idea of hope punk is a good place to like i don't know reflect a little bit of are people actively moving towards a greater goal together and making mistakes within that that is one thing and that's part of growing or are they the villain in this story <laughs> in part of my story and we're not moving together towards like the collective betterment of the world within like our storytelling? I don't know. I think it's a really cool um, definition. And like I said, I just I think the term itself is really evocative of what it means. 
Yeah. I think that something I've realized, at least in the past few years of doing this podcast, is how important it is to define what you love about something and like realize, oh, I'm, I gravitated to this story. I read it. I watched it. I in- enjoyed it. And I don't know why. And to kind of define why you liked it, why you gravitated to it, why you relate to it, why you want to share it, I think is such a valuable act. And sometimes I really do think that it always it will come back to these like core tenets of what I like about Hope Punk, right? And I I think that there are several we'll get into this, there are several moments throughout Star Wars that I think are actively Hope Punk that are, you know, some of my favorite stories, some of my favorite moments. And um, I don't know. I think I just really wanted to pause and say how I think that it's such a valuable act in order to kind of recognize what you value, uh, what you expect, what you want for the future, especially in the future of Star Wars storytelling, as we know, it seems seemingly endless what stories will be told in this universe. So to kind of move on, um, Vox actually expanded upon this Uh this tumblr post because it was catching fire and uh kind of did some bullet points about the the true definition of um hope punk and how we can kind of uh, distinctly define it i think that alexandra uh nailed it but i think that these also are kind of easier to read and not in like a big paragraph form so the first one is a weaponized aesthetic of softness wholesomeness and or cuteness i think the cuteness here is pretty important and we'll come back to that the next one is a worldview that argues that the fight to build positive social system is a fight worth fighting. And Ho-Punk also has an emphasis on community building through the cooperation rather than conflict. Then it also has a depiction of the fight to achieve human progress as something permanent with no fixed happy end. Happy is in quotations. I think this is also important. And I think that maybe if you're listening right now and you're like kind of surprised to hear there's no fixed happy end, I think that just the nature of humanity is just this sort of impermanence and this like ability to need to continue to fight for equity, equity, to fight for change, to realize that it's a constant struggle in order to live life. (laughs) And I think that it's something that just has to continue to be maintained. And it doesn't mean that there's no happy ending. I think that Hope Hope Punk does have happy endings. It's just this idea that it's something that must be continued to fight for. And then lastly, there's a sense of self-awareness about weaponizing kindness and optimism and even the emotion itself in the face of that fight. It just it brings back that quote of crying is also Hope Punk because crying means you still have feelings and feelings are how you know you're alive. Yeah, I think all these bullet points are really important and especially the like the discussion of like not having a fixed happy end. I think we see this. The thing about Hope Punk and we'll talk about this is like it feels like a lot of a lot of stories could be Hope Punk and Charles and I were kind of talking about this before we started recording that it's kind of like how Hope Punk are you <laughs> in your story. <laughs> but I think that like this idea of the of the non-fixed happy ending is something that honestly like we thought a lot about for Trost before it came out. And to be honest, I hadn't heard of I hadn't heard of Hope Punk before we saw Trost. But I think if you go back and like listen to our episodes about it, if you dare, um, <laughs> we talk about this like what does the end look like? Oh, does it look like Ray and Kylo or like Ray and Ben going off to 
to start a new Jedi Academy. Like they're on like they're on to educate the next generation to be better for the galaxy at large. Like there's this continuance. It's it's like kind of like riding off into the sunset, but with a purpose. <laughs> and what are you doing? Because I think you said this, like these these things like working towards towards the betterment of society within a story it needs it needs maintenance it's not just a one and done situation and Mm -hmm. i think that star wars shows this just in the fact that like between all of the trilogies we have these empires these like quote-unquote evil organizations that have rose and fall and part of that i guess like maintenance on the galactic scale are things like the resistance and the rebellion Yeah, and that's why we have such inspiring characters like Padme and Leia, who I think are continuously fighting and realize that you can't—they can't just like lay down. Even though, as much as we want our characters to like take a breather and relax, I think that the hope hunk of it all is that these characters realize that it's like a constant fight. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also, again, I just—I'm going to keep saying this, but I just feel like that is also very Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the the good examples that we talked about before we started was Sailor Moon as like a really good example of hope punk that like the weaponization, a weaponized aesthetic of softness, wholesomeness or cuteness. It feels a lot like Sailor Moon. (laughs) And I think she's a really good example, too, because um, the whole like aesthetic of Sailor Moon is is very cute. She's I think I think it actually starts in middle school is is how old Serena Usagi is when they start out. And she like has to do her homework and never gets up on time and is always late. And she likes to eat baked goods like all the time. (laughs) And they literally call her a crybaby. Like all her friends, this sounds mean, but like all her friends are like, why are you such a crybaby? Because she just gets so emotional about everything. But then when it comes down to it, when it's to the wire, she's Sailor Moon and she she's guardian of the galaxy, <laughs> you know, and she has like her, she's she's like the she's the Sailor Scout. Like she's the princess. She's the moon princess. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but then, you know, she takes off the tiara and, you know, suddenly her mom is yelling at her about go, like going to school on time and she throughout the show and I haven't read the manga actually but throughout the show there's a huge emphasis on like being there for her friends and them being there for her when she's sad about things whether it's you know her relationship with her boyfriend or what is happening with her friends like there's a huge emphasis on like the relationships between all of the sailor scouts and what they're doing like day to day. But then it's also wrapped up in what they're doing for the world too and the universe. And I don't know. I think that, I think that Sailor Moon is a really good example of hope punk. Yeah. A couple of other examples of hope punk. And this is probably like the 15th time I've mentioned this on the show, but I think to this point of the struggle never ends <laughs> is Mad Max Fury Road. I always talk about Mad Max Road on this show, but it is so good. And I don't really want to spoil the ending, but it definitely does fall into the the fact that here's this uh, world-changing struggle that can be overthrown, can be can be changed i just i'm trying to talk about it in terms of not spoiling it because i really want people (laughs) who've never seen it to have this experience because it's just so good um but the movie does end right as things like 
truly begin to change. And so you have this idea that like, oh, yes, they can do it, but it's going to be a struggle, but things are going to be better. And I also think that uh, so highly always will recommend Mad Max Fury Road. And I also think that Strange Magic, George Lucas's animation masterpiece, which is now on Disney Plus. Last time we talked about Strange Magic a couple months ago, it wasn't on Disney Plus yet. And now it's on Disney Plus. So watch it. Mm-hmm. But I think Strange Magic does have a happy ending. But this idea of maintaining this like the, this the like lack of separation between the kingdoms actually is is something that I could probably see in the universe of strange magic being a constant struggle to uphold just because of the sheer amount of people in the kingdom. And I just think that that's just the way it, way, way it works. And I also think people in the kingdom, the, the fairies, you know, the goblins, all of them, the like gods. it just, I feel like it's just a different story than say a happy ending, like a super happy ending. I think that it is a happy ending. I I'm tripping over my words in this, but I think that, uh, I think in a lot of ways, just because I feel like I do think George Lucas is evoking hope punk in most of his stories, I think that Strange Magic comes from a place of hope punk. And also to your point about Sailor Moon, like the weaponizing crying and softness, I think that is exactly what Strange Magic does. Also, I think that this brings up the comparison that hope punk often gets to another subgenre called Noble Bright, which is generally the the good versus evil and then there's a happy ending and then the movie ends and all is restored in the kingdom i think the best example of noble bright that was brought up in the vox article was um the lion king where scar is defeated and everything goes back to normal at pride rock and this is obviously not counting the the masterpiece of lion king 2 but But I think that we all understand that, you know, the moment Scar dies, all of a sudden, you know, Pride Rock is restored. It rains and it's beautiful. And I love that ending. The Lion King is one of my top 10 favorite movies. But I do think that there's this general sense of the evil is defeated. The order is restored. Like literally the order of the circle of life is restored, you know. Yeah. And I think that that's the difference between Hope Punk and Noble Bright. Noble Bright ends on a ultimate happy ending while Hope Punk continues to fight. Yeah, I think again, I'm just going to harp on this again, but like the terms themselves really speak to what they are. Like Noble Bright, there's this purity to it, mm-hmm. to those terms together. It's like th- it's the happy ending and it's they and they all lived happily ever. Uh, they all lived happily ever after. And it's done. Like the story is <laughs> over, all the problems are solved. We are A-OK, good, <laughs> noble, bright. And there's like this shiningness to to the ending, this like really bright happiness. And I think that's important in stories too. But Hope Punk does it, – it sounds grittier because it is grittier because it's more – there's like like the quote, like the definition talked about, like there's there's grittiness to it. You get your hands dirty when you're trying to fight for things to be better. It's not – it's not – I don't want to say like Noble Bright is one note, but the, I I think I would say that the ending often of stories that are quote unquote Noble Bright are one note. And I think that's part of what we've been talking about with like the indefinite ending is that hope punk is not one note. There are almost like ebbs and flows to the to those kinds of stories and to those kinds of characters too. Okay. Is there anything else that we need to say about the definition of hope punk before we talk about why we need it in Star Wars? No, let's talk about Star Wars. Yes. Okay. <laughs> 
Okay, welcome to part two, where we're talking about what Hope Punk does look like in Star Wars already, what it could look like in Star Wars in the future, and why we need it. So, Charlotte, is Star Wars already Hope Punk? Yeah, it is. At its essence, Star Wars is Hope Punk. And I think that it's when it veers, I honestly think that's when we lose the Star Wars feeling. We've talked about the Star Wars feeling for so long, and we can't define it. There isn't a definition. There's just a feeling. And I think personally, when we lose sight of the hope punk essence, I know this sounds so ridiculous saying this word over and over and over again. Um, I honestly think that's when the story kind of starts to feel off, weird, not super Star Wars. And I think there's there's always, you know, greatness in exploratory star wars the weird star wars everything like that but i don't think that that's not really what i'm talking about i'm talking about like the core essence of the themes of star wars what we gravitate to the most what the story is saying um i think that that is always kind of really important to consider when you are watching a star wars show and i don't mean that like you can't just sit in front of the tv with Star Wars and with like a popcorn bowl and just enjoy it because you totally can. But I do think that the subconscious and this is like it goes back to just even talking about myth in general is like, what is this doing for your brain? What is this doing for the collective subconscious? How is this uh, adding to the myth? And I think that, again, at its essence, I think Star Wars is ho-punk. I think when George Lucas talks about when he made Star Wars and how it was, you know, his kind of really bizarre anti-war sentiment from 1977, even earlier. Like, I think the the note, I found a quote from 1973 on a note <laughs> that says uh, his own opinion about like the Vietnam War at the time and what Star Wars is. And this is the quote is he says, a large technological empire going after a small group of freedom fighters. Star Wars, at its essence, has always been anti- anti-war and pro-revolution. When we are in a period right now where Kathleen Kennedy has talked about how Star Wars is kind of in a holding pattern of their... I think the quote is, I don't have it in front of me, but recently she was like, we are reevaluating what George created and drawing from that, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like that that's kind of the essence of it. I probably should have it in front of me, but I don't. You, and I I feel like this is what George created. This is what he was getting at. He wanted to create something inspiring for kids, something interesting for kids, something that set a message that you can look back upon even when you're older about morals and good and evil but not in a way that is so straightforward but in a way that challenges your psyche challenges you and dares you to like (laughs) rage against the machine honestly (laughs) i think that star wars is that yeah i think it's hard because you know yes i want star wars to always have these core tenets of of hope and like feistiness to it but i also still want these like really like super genre specific Star Wars stories. And I think it's hard because there is so much within the galaxy now that I don't think that like every story has to be 
about like the rebellion and you yeah. know rising above the odds to win the battle no you know yeah and because i think i i kind of like feel like you can fall into that trap especially with star wars and hope punk of like it's about fighting against adversity and rebellion and like yes it is but it doesn't it's not always like star wars is a grand story and so it kind of like fits that definition really perfectly but it doesn't always have to but that like hope piece of it should be prevalent in any kind of version of Star Wars, I think. Um, it doesn't always have to be, I don't know, it's hard because, like, in the future, I want Star Wars to take, like, really weird risks, you know? So maybe there is a grim, dark story for Star Wars in the future. And, like, I kind of want to, like, I want to see that, you know? Um, and, like, I don't know how prevalent hope necessarily is in a story like that or how much of a factor it is when you get to the end of a grimdark story, I should say. So I think it's really complicated. But I think when we look at like something like, you know, honestly, like a lot of what is being put out like within the animation department that is geared towards a younger audience, the Skywalker saga itself, I think these are like big pit, like these are big pillars in Star Wars and like the hope punk side of it should be should be there all the time <laughs> mm-hmm. because and but you know it's further complicated because it's like is revenge of the sith a hope punk story <laughs> i i don't think i would say yes but is mm-hmm. the skywalker saga hope punk yes mm-hmm. it, like the revenge of the sith is just like one chapter within that story it's kind of like the glass half full part of the story but the story overall or glass half empty but the story overall is glass half full we're just like a little sad in that middle chunk (laughs) yeah well I think that in this way you have to look at the Skywalker saga as one whole movie one whole piece yeah you can parse it out just like you can with any tv show and be like this was grimdark and this was hope punk and here we are (laughs) and I think that's (laughs) Like, you can totally do that, but I do think that, like, Revenge of the Sith, while, yes, a tragedy and constructed as such, there is always going to be the hopeful element about Revenge of the Sith. We've talked about this so many times, right? Like, I think that the ending feels hopeful. The knowledge of the future of the next couple of movies feels hopeful. This, like, sort of meta understanding that it doesn't all just end here, even though it is so tragic. Um, I think also in itself is hope punk because you do have this idea in revenge of the sith that the fight doesn't end right because Mm -hmm. you have these two babies and you have the people that survived and you have hope for the future you know you walk out of revenge of the sith really sad but also like man, I can't wait to watch those other movies, you know, and I yeah. can't wait to see how it all ends. And this knowledge that like, because you're watching something that is actively hope punk, that it will end in a way that is at some in some way, uh, reinforcing this need for uh, never accepting the status quo, uh, that love you know, reigns above all, you know, all these things that George Lucas was Talking about, you know, we have a quote here from Charlie Rose when uh, George Lucas was on it. It was honestly a couple years ago, like 15, 10, 15 years ago, when Charlie Rose asked him what the point and the purpose of uh, Star Wars was. And he said, it's still, you know, basically just don't kill people and be compassionate, love people. That's basically all Star Wars is. I think we refer to this quote a lot because I think it's just sometimes it like makes me a little misty eyed. But I... I do feel like 
at its core, and I think this is something that I think the sequel trilogy could have done better, is to kind of deconstruct this idea that was presented in in the prequels that emotions and love is bad. Like the Jedi, like shut those off. Mm-hmm. And that this actually is something that needed to be incorporated and love in itself is what saves Anakin at the end. Right. And I think that yeah. if, if only, and I think it is like, it's an undercurrent it's there, but I don't think it's like, it's not fully there. I think that Ryan actually did a pretty good job of trying to, and we've talked, we talk about this too. And so many people have written amazing metas and, you know, discussions and have discussions about the, the like sort of uh, the nature of Ryan Johnson uh, writing that scene where Luke is reflecting on the prequels, really. I don't, I'm going on a tangent now, but I do feel like there is this undercurrent of prequels say emotions bad, original trilogy at the end actually say emotions good. And it would be, it would have been great if the sequel trilogy was more over the top about actually emotions great, you know? Yeah. I think I feel like we use this metaphor frequently on the show to talk about things. It's like this barometer of where are we on the hope punk scale? Are we are we leaning more hope or are we leaning more punk? And I'd say that like this the second trilogy, you know, Phantom Menace is very hope. And then Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith are like a little bit more punk. <laughs> and then, you know, I think we have the original trilogy, which leans more hope, I think, uh, on the whole. But then, uh, you know, I think, yeah, I think you're right. Like the sequel trilogy could have done a lot better job on the whole of combi- of like meeting in the middle, right? Right in between hope and punk mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and what that means. And I think that that like that conversation with between Luke and Rey and The Last Jedi is kind of the closest we get to really breaking it down Uh and like spelling it out pretty clearly <laughs> because like right Luke goes on this whole tangent or, or whatever and he's like they you know this is what happened and like isn't this so sad and like this is what's gonna happen with with Kylo and everything like that and then Ray is like or with Vader and Ray is like yeah but it was a Jedi who saved him <laughs> mm-hmm. like because of your compassion and love for him like what part of this are you missing you lived it I'm sorry <laughs> mm-hmm. and I don't know I just I think that yeah, and and I think that's part of what hope punk is too. It's not, especially in like a a long form storytelling, you get to see all shades of what these terms can mean in in Star Wars and like a in like a grander galactic kind of way, like when we're living in the time of the Republic versus when we're living in the time of the Empire and et cetera, uh, and also like these different shades of hope punk within our characters too. I just want to say again that I do think that the ending of the sequel trilogy, like at the end of the day, love saved Ray. Ben's love for Ray saved Ray. I just, I just wish that sometimes some of these things were a little bit more over the top, like beat you really over the head about it. And I think this is a frustration point that a lot of like Raylo fans are feeling right now, where it's like. Can you just come out and say it? Like, <laughs> just say it. The trilogy's over, you know? Yeah. Say that love was at the center, that the reason why Ray and Kylo were, you know, a, a, a dyad yeah. isn't just a dyad, right? It's not just this, like, arbitrary term. It is emotions. It's feelings. And I think 
that's what's so that is hope punk right is to define the feelings to weaponize that to to yeah. be aware of all these emotions that are within you and i do think that this is also something that george lucas was also super aware of and anytime you do any deep deep dive into george lucas's mindset and um understanding what he was trying to say it's usually about um adolescence and trying to navigate how you have these warring two things inside of you the good and evil and how you can keep the evil at bay but also be really good but also recognize that 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 darkness within you and what how does that manifest and it's not necessarily bad because you have control over it and from your goodness and all these things right and i think that again that's ho punk is this understanding of your emotions being in touch with your feminine side and your masculine side right yeah and i think that's like that's kind of the underpinning of what wasn't working for us in tross and like looking at rain kylo's relationship specifically it's like you call them a dyad and it's like oh, okay that's that's it that's why they're connected it's because they're a dyad <laughs> and the galaxy decided it and it's like okay yes but like, also great. good, good. There's like, this, thank you for defining yeah it, but. but also that that like arbitrary connection imposed by the cosmic force if chris terrio knows what that is <laughs> like <laughs> is ultimately empty if it didn't have their emotional attachment to each other fueling it further you know like it's not just that they're a dyad but you you just kind of slap a label on it and you're like, all right, there it is. That's that's why we're here. And it's like well, that that doesn't ultimately mean anything, because when I can when I connected to this pairing, it was without knowledge of what a diet was. It was because they were emotionally tethered to each other, you know, mm-hmm. and I think we see that in like with Anakin and Padme too I think we see that with ever like with the entire original trilogy's relationships to each other within the original trilogy Luke going after Leia and Han in Empire Strikes Back I think Empire Strikes Back is a really good exploration of those relationships and like their connections to each other obviously at the end we have the force connecting Luke and Leia and you're like oh it's because they're brother and sister but they're also emotionally attached to each other (laughs) like that that like that calling like luke calling out through the force at the end of empire strikes back wouldn't have worked just because they're brother and sister if he didn't actually care about leia and what they're pulling on there in that moment is not that they're brother and sister but that like the reason it works is because they're emotionally attached to each other not because they're brother and sister Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's that's the thesis statement of what's going on there. Like you can have this like kind of skeleton scaffolding in the story, if you will, of like that's why it's like a little stronger with Luke and Liz because they're related. Like, OK, great. But it, that's actually meaningless if they don't fill it in with like their love for each other, like fill in that scaffolding <laughs> with their love for each other. And that's what actually makes it stronger. That's like, oh, you don't fill in scaffolding. That's a horrible metaphor. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, that's my tangent about that. <laughs> I think um, this episode would be lacking if we didn't have a Dave Filoni quote in it. And uh, this one, I believe, I can't remember when this came out, but I think this was in The Mandalorian behind the scenes. 
the Disney The Gallery, The Mandalorian series that's on Disney Plus. And uh, if you haven't watched that series yet, highly recommend, especially when Dave just kind of goes on tangents about what it's Star Wars. It's so good. The entire, whoever he's sitting with, they're all just spellbound. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so great. Like jaws on the floor. It's amazing. But he's, he had this quote that I think it, it really also hones in on this whole idea of hope punk, what it means within Star Wars and like the like we've been talking about these core tenets and themes of what Star Wars is. And I think you can really read hope punk into it. So he said, we soulfully react like we don't just want an action movie. We want to feel uplifted. And Star Wars is an adventure that makes you feel good. You know, it makes me feel like, wow, I want to be a part of that. So that's what I always go back to with Star Wars is the selfless act and this family dynamic, which is so important to George. It's so important to the foundation of Star Wars. That's in us. And what I like about it is that it's saying there is a lot of hope out there, that we fundamentally want to be good people, that we can be driven to do terrible things, that we can persevere through selfless action. So George has this hopeful story, and it's something that he's reiterated most times I've seen him, you know, after we've been making things without him. Remember to make these stories hopeful. Remember to give that to kids because they really need it. And so I just think that's something to keep in mind. And I don't know. I think that that, that whole quote just really – I think that in that series, Dave does a really good job of laying out like kind of different needs for Star Wars. Like not everything has to be this super deep thing. And he talks about this in the series like it can just be fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a lot of merit to that and that. That's something that I think can get lost, especially when you're people like us. They're like, no, let's let's really break it. Let's break down that pod race. Yeah. <laughs> and Anakin's there like, spinning's a cool trick. <laughs> and we're like, okay, but what kind of spinning, like specifically? <laughs> spinning actually means. <laughs> so we're talking about like the cyclical nature of time and like storytelling. And he's like spinning in chapter one. He comes back to the start and like what <laughs> We end up on time. I can't. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but I think that he like really talks about, you know, that these these things are important to always keep in mind when you're making Star Wars. And there is a difference between having, on again, on our barometer, more punk versus more hope in a story. Like that's variation and that's variety and that's new stories and that's fine. But if they're not factoring at all into how you're viewing these stories, I think that's like what you were saying at the top of the show. Like that's when things can get kind of lost and don't feel like Star Wars 100%. Yeah. I think that quote is just so good. You've definitely brought it up on the show before, if not tweeted about it like 50. Yeah. I think that (laughs) Dave Filoni fans over here. But I think (laughs) like, oh my God, why did I even say that? It's like implied okay (laughs) not even implied it's just understood (laughs) I think that it really goes back to that what strikes me about that Dave quote is that it goes back to in Alexandra's like revision of that initial tumblr post and she says hope punk says that genuinely and sincerely caring about something anything requires bravery and strength hope punk isn't about ever submission or acceptance it's about standing up and fighting for what you believe in it's about standing up for other people and i think that there's just a genuine goodness in that statement and also how that is applied to in star wars and kind of retroactively has been happening in star wars right i think that when you leave the movie theater you want to feel really good 
you want to tap into what it is that is so important about that family dynamic that Dave talks about being so important to George. You want to tap into something that is a part of us all. You want to tap into something that we can carry on into our daily lives. I know people don't really like to talk about the effect that like liking fiction can have on, I don't know, the real world. I think it's a dicey, tough topic that is not, I don't know, I think that it's quite nuanced, honestly. But I do think that there's a sense of like we we love to like people love to say like what would Leia Organa do you know mm-hmm. and I think that that's a great way to live <laughs> because I think that Leia would continue to stand up for what she believes in you know and the act of even embodying her honestly makes me feel uplifted when I can do that you know and I think that's to be honest I think that's another aspect of what Dave is speaking to here. Yeah, I think so, too. And it just makes me think that, you know, Carrie Fisher is, like, the perfect epitome of hope punk. <laughs> so true. <laughs> just, <laughs> you know, it's, like, to bring it into the real world and, like, with Carrie Fisher, like, Carrie Fisher wasn't, like, her purpose wasn't to change the world. It wasn't, to, it was to, like, change the parts that she was in. But I, I don't know. I just feel like her like unabashedness in talking about her life, the good and the bad parts, that is hope punk and like her being a celebrity and her and her life being so dramatic <laughs> a lot of the time like it almost reads like it reads like a movie sometimes and I hope that doesn't like I hope that doesn't sound like I'm trying to cheapen her life story because that's t- totally not it at all. I think she would have said that too if not she already has said that. That yeah, her life is it was so if, incredulous. Yeah, yeah, if it's not, if my life wasn't funny, it would funny, just be... it'd just be sad or something like that. Okay. <laughs> you know, and I just I think about like I think what is it? What was the 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 name of the documentary that came out? Um, Blinding Lights, or it was about Debbie Reynolds and Carrie Fisher. And I remember there's like I think the thing about Carrie Fisher, what I'm trying to get at, and kind of stumbling over my words at, is that like she always bravely show the duality of her personality and the highs and the lows and like in that documentary that came out right after her and Debbie Reynolds passed away I just always think about this this scene where she's like I think she's in like a nail salon chair that's like in her house (laughs) and she's like I'm she's like talking about her personality and how she's too much herself and she's tired of herself and she's like too much Carrie today something like that and then 10 minutes later she's like totally fine and uh, like very having acting very positive I don't want to say totally fine but like acting very positive and seems to have a brighter outlook on how the day is going and I think that she was just really brave and showing kind of all of these aspects of herself and recognizing that darkness or that sadness like that inherent kind of weighty sadness that she held within her so much but then doing so much with it at the same time and honestly changing people's lives because she was just brave enough to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I just I think that's so important. Like it doesn't have hope punk doesn't have to be. She wasn't like a policymaker. I'm not even <laughs> yeah, making yeah, yeah. sense, but you know what I no, mean? No, you're like, right. <laughs> it's, it's, I think that goes back to like hope punk can be just calling your senator. What you were saying before yeah. about um these seemingly small actions can be hope punk. I think something that's so when you read any of Carrie's writing, 
which I highly recommend if you're a Star Wars fan and you haven't read Carrie's some of Carrie's books, I think that they will surprise you with how deep they are. Um, I think that if you just know Carrie from her interviews and her press and everything, I mean, I think that you can tell that she's a very intelligent woman. But when you read her writing, you do get the sense of softness, of radicalness, too, in terms of how bold she is in the ability to articulate emotions that I would never be able to articulate. Mm-hmm. And I think that really goes really speaks to the whole like softness is hope punk stuff, because in so much of Carrie's writing, she is very open about and you talked about this, about everything, the highs and the lows and her mental illness and defining it, her relationship with her, her mother, her relationship with her daughter. I think everything is on the table and just even the act of writing it is radical and is a statement of hope punk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you said it well about just knowing how to express those like really soft, sad emotions. Mm-hmm. It's not just like brazenness 24-7. Yeah. I think just to kind of bring it back to George Lucas, you wrote this in here in the notes and I think it's just so true. It, in terms of like weaponizing cuteness, like nothing is more hope punk than Ewoks. Yeah. <laughs> like at all. <laughs> I think that the dare to be cute aspect of George Lucas is just the most hope punk thing ever. Uh, this idea of, yeah, they're cute. Yeah, they're killers. Yeah, they'll bring justice. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's like, they're so cute. And then you remember the Stormtrooper head drums that they use at the end <laughs> of the movie. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> There's also the great Ryan Johnson tweet that came out um, like two days after uh, Tross came out when everyone trying to thank you, Ryan Johnson, which I just still can't believe happened. It was like number two on the trending. It's kind of it kind of makes me cringe a little bit looking back. But he was so gracious, and you should read the tweet. Yeah, well, and at the time I tweeted it too. So yeah, so did I. So, <laughs> so after I actually think that trended the day Rise of Skywalker came out. Honestly, I'm pretty sure it yeah. did. Anyway, so a couple days later, it was very tact of him. A couple days later, he tweeted, uh, "Quote: Endlessly awed by your passion, creativity, anger, joy, positivity, excitement, engagement, and love. You continuously defy every cynical narrative. You're the best." Hashtag Thank you, Star Wars fans. And again, it's like how Dave can take a three-hour podcast that we have and put it into like a statement. And Ryan Johnson gets that crown today <laughs> with his tweet here. I think the the main thing to take out of that tweet, though, and so many fans have, is the whole you continuously defy every cynical narrative mm-hmm. and this idea that not just the fans. And I think that's like Ryan is being so gracious here. And I do think that the Star Wars fandom in general is great. But I, I can't imagine really the vitriol that he's faced, that so many cast members have faced, you know, just being in the public eye of creating star wars is something that i can't relate to and i i don't know so it just i for me i'm like oh that was a nice tweet you know and um but i do think this is that line you know you can you continue to defy, defy every cynical narrative i think that star wars needs to continue to defy every cynical narrative that is in the marketplace yeah. i think it started from a place where it did right 
any documentary you see about the origin of Star Wars, the 1977 Star Wars, A New Hope, was like everyone needed this in the movie theater. Because what was happening was you were having movies about Vietnam. You were having movies about, you know, dirty movies, bad movies, C-plus movies, right, that were just not thrilling to the audience member. And it seemed like all anyone wanted was a fun romp, something that made them want to go out when they leave the theater and buy another ticket. And that's exactly what happened. And I think that this idea that like, yes, Star Wars originally defined the cynical narrative of the movie theater (laughs) at that point. It needs to take that energy, and it should, and it does in a lot of ways, and apply it to all of their stories. Yeah, and I think that Star Wars, like when we were talking about the Ryan Johnson tweet, like like Star Wars itself was a rebellion against the Hollywood machine in the 70s too. So there's like that rebellious, hope-punky nature of George Lucas himself of I'm going to completely revolutionize how stories are made because I think it's wrong how they're made. And then I'm going to go on to like create the blockbuster (laughs) that (laughs) fuels the Hollywood machine to this day, but I'm still going to fight against it and get like you continuously defy these these systems that are set up you can track that through George's entire career of bringing things in house so he can do them his way literally moving out of Hollywood to create his own studio in San Francisco <laughs> like <laughs> and like funding these projects himself like i think the the whole story of Star Wars right and getting getting that money to do it making sure that he can do his sequels, but making sure he has the merchandising rights <laughs> and, like, the rights to the next. To do it his way. <laughs> do it That's his what he way. does. He <laughs> says, I don't want any – I don't want my logo on, like, a piece of crap. Like, I want it to be – It's I, insane. I, I just came across the quote last night. I don't have it in front of me, but something about how he wanted to do it his way. It was he, – he wanted it to be up to him, and he wanted to get to choose how the logo was being used. It's crazy. It's just so insane (laughs) to me, like, for as much, I guess, like, bullying that he got from studios of, like, how bad Star Wars was going to be. And he was like, well, I want the merchandising rights and I want the sequel rights. And they're like, okay, (laughs) whatever you say, boy in plaid. And then, like, you turn around. And the other thing I always think about, too, that just, like, always tickles my – this spot for George Lucas in my heart is not having the credits at the beginning of the film and how he had to pay like a huge fine to to not have yeah, directed by that. George Lucas and like the whole kit and caboodle. And I'm like, that that like that is hope punk <laughs> is the whole creation of Star Wars too. And I think that's what's so great about this franchise is that it 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 hops back and forth between its story and the real world too. And I think like with Ryan Johnson's tweet as well, it's like You know, this tweet, of course, came like the whole trend of Thank You, Ryan Johnson came from like online fans negative reaction to the rise of Skywalker. Right. So it's like people responding negatively to a film by creating positivity towards a film they did like. I think and that's like that grittiness and that like that pettiness is wrapped in there while also like putting out positivity at the same time. It's like a petty positivity, but it's a hope punk kind of thing too. It's like, 
your new movie just came out. We're going to trend the other director. <laughs> like it's, it's, a lot. it's, it's a lot, you know, yeah. it's like when you, when you reflect back on it, it's a, it's a big deal, <laughs> but these things are like, I think, I think that is an example of hope punk of like, I am feeling so emotional and a negative emotion about this thing that I'm going to channel it into something that, I feel emotionally positive about and yeah. me and 17,000 of my other friends are going to trend on Twitter together. <laughs> it's crazy. It is. I think just to kind of bring us back to like even what Hope Punk is, I think in 2020, I've finally understood what nihilism is <laughs> and how one can think nihilistically you know i'm an english major i read a lot of nihilistic stuff i don't hate the genre i don't hate the the trope or whatever you want to refer to it as but um in fact i i find some meaning ironically out of reading and experiencing nihilistic stories like true detective i think is a good example of like a purely nihilistic story um because i do think that there's again there's meaning in lack of meaning right mm -hmm. but i i think that hope punk is anti-nihilistic and i think that this year has just been so depressing <laughs> and it's like what what next like literally what next and one can understand nihilism like i just said so i feel like <laughs> we need anti-nihilistic storytelling which brings me to I think it would be a good exercise to kind of run down some past Star Wars stories and future Star Wars stories and kind of speculate a little bit about how they can be actively ho-punk and actively anti-nihilistic. Um, so I bring this up because the High Republic Initiative, which is a storytelling initiative by Lucasfilm that was announced in the beginning of the year about with with books and comics um, told, I can't remember how many years, it's a couple hundred years before The Phantom Menace. Um, so it's a whole different generation of Jedi in, but Yoda's there. So, um, <laughs> but I'm excited for it. I can't wait. I think it's, I'm really excited to dig in. Some great authors are attached and it's going to be, a. I think it's a really good step in the right direction in terms of unified storytelling within Lucasfilm. Um, however, when they, when they came out with the, uh, the concept sort of art. cast of, yeah, the, the characters, the concept art, the cast of characters. Um, I think I said that twice. It's fine. I, I think that uh, the the evil people, the dark side users, I don't even know if they're defined as dark side users, but like the threat are called the Niles, N-I-H-I-L. So yes, like nihilism. Um, and I think this is really interesting <laughs> because if Hope Punk is anti-nihilist, nihilist, right, then um, here we have the the villains being called the Niles. So will the High Republic actively use Hope Punk as the backbone? What do you think? I think so. It's interesting because I think we're all wondering what the Jedi Order is going to look like in this time frame, especially when we talk about like how the the second trilogy, like the whole thing of the Jedi is is squandering emotions during that time and what is that going to look like now in the High Republic? Because we know that that's not how the Jedi always were. Like from their inception, they were not. They were not what we see in the prequel trilogy. So what are they going to look like now? I think it makes sense for them to be more emotional 
I just have so many questions about the High Republic because is this the, is this the downfall? Is this the trajectory into what we see in the prequel trilogy, or are we still too far out from the prequel trilogy to like start getting that mentality in the Jedi Order of like squashing your emotions? Is that because people are too emotional in the High Republic or perceived as too emotional? I don't know. I definitely think that it will be on some level. It just really makes me wonder about what the Jedi Order is going to look like. But yeah, I think it will be hopeful. Yeah, <laughs> same. I I really like. I have some slight concerns about what the Jedi Order is going to be depicted as because I think where we see them in the prequels is obviously not optimal Jedi. So to me, I'm like, what's the conflict? And perhaps this is the conflict and I just can't visualize it yet. And that's just like me having a blind spot of I don't think I could write these stories. (laughs) And I... I'm excited to talk about this because I do feel like when we talk about some of the High Republic books and comics and things next year, it'll be interesting to kind of refer to the concept of hope punk. And, you know, we're really coming up close, actually, on the High Republic coming out. <laughs> I just realized that, man, this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just feel like, yes, it will be because if the opposite of the Jedi at this point were the good guys is our you know nihilists then the optimistic sense of justice and order will definitely be present in the good guys in the story yeah yeah i completely agree and then we also have the interesting obi-wan show that (laughs) will come out at some point in the future (laughs) and is this going to be hope punk so here's the thing i think that ultimately it will be but i think that so much of what you and i want is like kind of depressing kind of crazy stuff on our barometer we're leading more punk (laughs) yeah i i'd say we're leading more like tragic sense but here's the thing right (laughs) crying and weaponized emotions are hope punk so i don't know i'd like to see obi-wan kenobi cry and i feel like we're going to (laughs) cry obi-wan aren't you sad (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i think that like ultimately because Star Wars is Star Wars, the fact that he is able to remain hidden on Tatooine and watch over Luke is hopeful. Yeah. So I think that Caitlin and I both, we talk about this a lot about how like we really want some like haunting, some sort of thing <laughs> happening with Obi Wan. It like gets me like really excited when I think about it, about the possibilities of the Kenobi series because. I think it could get so weird. I think it could get really, I love the idea of like almost single character focused, Mm -hmm. a single character focused show, something that we haven't really gotten a lot in Star Wars. I think we've probably come the closest to it with the Mandalorian. And again, I honestly think that's another reason why it works pretty well because is because we're like very zeroed in on what's this guy in the mask going to do with this baby, you know? And I think that it's almost the same question with Kenobi. It's like, what's this guy going to do? with this baby in the desert (laughs) you know I think that it's like it's actually like a really similar question and this this sort of like lone samurai in exile could like be really emotional and yeah it could be hope punk less so perhaps than other examples that I can think of off the top of my head but it'll be interesting again to talk about that because I know this will come up then too Yeah, I think that I'm fully expecting a lot of emotions from Obi-Wan. Again, just just putting it out there for anyone who may be listening who has power. I want (laughs) – who has power? (laughs) I 
which Charlotte and I both want, is a hallucination of Anakin, just follow Obi-Wan around. We need it, actually. And make him confront everything that's happened. Maybe drive him a little crazy, but also maybe drive him to action, because I think that's what we're all kind of wondering. Like you said, like, what's this man in the desert going to do with his baby? <laughs> what's this man in the desert and his hallucination of his long-lost apprentice going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I... God, I just, the more I think about the Kenobi show and like them talking about him as crazy old Ben in A New Hope, I'm like, he's got to have a hallucination. <laughs> yeah. You know, if <laughs> you just saw Obi-Wan talking to someone who's not there, <laughs> but it's Anakin. I just, anyway, that's my soapbox about the Kenobi show. But it's like, yeah, he's there for so long, but is he, like, what is he doing is is he just protecting anakin is he just venturing into the crazy side of the force to understand teachings from qui-gon is he setting up fulcrum is he helping with that does he ever come into contact with ahsoka at some point in the future i you know we don't know but i think i think we're all like the punk is gonna be there with the obi-wan show the sad angsty punk I think definitely has to be there. I just, I kind of wonder what the other side of that like emotion is going to be as far as what kind of action is going to be taking. Yeah. I mean, I think that right now, so many things are honestly with both production and writing, like, and the time period just within Star Wars are like kind of up in the air about what he can do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I'm so excited with Deborah Chow directing basically the entire series, which she's talked about. So I think that's pretty confirmed that she's going to be doing directing the whole series, which is crazy. So it'll be really great to get her full vision, right? Yeah. Um. Anyway, I just think that there definitely is room for Hope Punk in the Kenobi series, but I think there are some constraints that maybe might not make it as traditional Hope Punk. In terms of the Mandalorian, though, let's talk about the Mandalorian because let's be honest, this is on everyone's mind. Um, is the Mandalorian Hope Punk? I don't think it's the most hope punk thing out there in the Star Wars galaxy, but I think that that could change because we are only in season one. And I think it's kind of like the start, like the, the Skywalker saga situation. If you're just watching Revenge of the Sith, that's not hope punk. When you watch the whole thing, it's very, very hope punk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think that the Mandalorian could be simple. I don't think we've seen the full breadth of what the emotional relationships, obviously, we haven't seen it all because it's still ongoing. So I don't think right now, I don't think season one was particularly hope punk, but that is just season one. Yeah, but it did have, there's so many aspects of the mini that are hope punk. Number one, weaponized cuteness. Like, hello. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> Um, this idea of needing to embody that softness to get in touch with that feminine side. I think that is like core to at least season one of The Mandalorian, where at the end, Din has to accept the fact that he's baby Yoda's father, right? And they're going to be together a clan of two forever. So yes, I really do think that there is a like this weaponized aesthetic of softness, like Hello, that was concealed for a lot of reasons, right? Even just outside of the story, the the story itself, but the the fact that we didn't actually see the child until we saw that episode, right? Mm -hmm. It was also part of like this, like sort of bait and switch of 
here watch this show that's going to be really intense and like super dark and it's going to be like the game of thrones for television you know but it's disney and it's going to be different it's going to be like super intense right i think that everyone was talking about that including myself right yeah and then it's like at the end of it it's like super cute baby (laughs) (laughs) and that's at the core of it and like that act in itself is hope punk and i also think that that goes back to even just the the development of the mandalorian culture when dave did that in dave and george i think this came straight from george um in the clone wars i've said it before i'll say it again i think that the mandalorians being like a pacifist society (laughs) in the clone wars when we first get glimpse of it is shocking Given mm-hmm. the fact that our exposure to the Mandalorian armor is bounty hunter Boba Fett, and the fact that that was an almost like audience weaponized sense of uh, wholesomeness, a sense of softness, a sense of pacificity, right, is completely kind of used, not used against in the audience, but definitely used for shock value. And yeah. And I think it works because I think there's definitely a story to be told there. And of course, nothing is done, I think, by George or Dave without a sense of purpose, I think, even if that purpose is just fun. So I think that it's, I don't know, I think that that's definitely an aspect of The Mandalorian that cannot be overlooked, this whole dare to be cute thing that is very George Lucas. Yeah, I think, I mean, like, I think you're right, obviously, like, Baby Yoda is the perfect example of weaponizing cute. I just I think that Hope Punk has like this I don't know it has this like vibe to it and I don't quite know if Mandalorian is there yet and I'm not saying that to be negative I just could be though yeah it It could could. like I think it's coming Mm -hmm. I just don't think like the Mandalorian doesn't have the Hope Punk vibe to it quite yet like I think I think that Rogue One is the most like Hope Punk story we have right now as far as Star Wars goes. And I think that like that vibe is very different than what we've seen in The Mandalorian so far. If we're talking as- expressly about Hope Punk here. I think that I think that Jin is like the best Hope Punk lead. <laughs> um, the whole line of like, isn't this what rebellions do? Like we rebel <laughs> and rebellions are built on hope. Like those two things, the action of rebelling being a symbol of hope that that is hope punk (laughs) yeah and so i think the whole like having her in the beginning being like her trajectory too through the film of of not being for the rebellion being for like just being in it for herself trying to get out and then slowly becoming entrenched in this world and realizing that this is the side she wants to be on and then rising up and being a leader. Well, actually not like rebelling against the rebellion. <laughs> like, I think it's kind of crazy when you think about Jin like that, rebelling against the rebellion to go to Scarif. The whole thing is very is is hope punk to the nth degree, I think. Maybe I think some might even argue like maybe a little too on the nose, but I think she is like the distillation of hope punk in kind of the most pure form yeah i think that just the act of of rogue one at the end of it this understanding even if you haven't seen any of the other star wars movies and you just watch rogue one this idea that the conflict is constant and the struggle and sacrifice is necessary but the the satisfying nature of okay they got they got the plans they can do the thing they can save the galaxy yeah. It's just the next step that needs to be taken. You know, that we take the next chance and the next there's no no the, until the chances are spent, right? I think that is so hope punk. Mhm. 
Yeah, I think that like when you compare again, like the like what is this vibe of hope punk? Like when you compare Rogue One to Revenge of the Sith, both of those stories we lose our main characters. We lose Anakin and we lose Jin and of course everyone else too um, in that film. And they both have quote unquote hopeful endings with Luke and Leia on Tatooine and and in Alderaan and Revenge of the Sith, and then Leia again at the end of Rogue One. But emotionally, they're totally different, right? Like I I feel like the hope side of Rogue One is so much more brilliant, especially like because of how that film actually looks physically and visually, versus Revenge of the Sith. And again, there's like that knowledge of what's coming in the future that's really baked into these films as well. But I think like for Rogue One and Revenge of the Sith, both having like the death of a main character, a hopeful ending, like Rogue One still feels like honestly, like more hopeful. I don't know, like there's there's a different kind of satisfaction at the end of Rogue One than there is at the end of Revenge of the Sith. And I don't mean that to say like there's not hope and satisfaction in Revenge of the Sith because there is, but I think they're very different. A core of hope punk is an emphasis on community building through cooperation rather than conflict. And I think when things really start to come together is when the group all gets together in order to accomplish one goal. And yes, they're separate, but they are all together. You know, when they all band together and rebel against the rebellion in order to, uh, accomplish this goal that will save the galaxy and does save the galaxy mm-hmm. ultimately even though we know that 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 challenge is just a constant struggle you know it's it's not this death star it's the next death star all these things right and then, but and I then think it's that, our killer base <laughs> yeah it's just, just endless and i think that like we can laugh about that but like i think that actually plays into hope punk so well mm-hmm. is this this constant struggle this never-ending evil will always be there and how do we how do we fight against it we must continue to fight against it we cannot be passive it reminds me of this quote that from george lucas he says star wars was really about the vietnam war the period where nixon was trying to run for a second term which got me thinking historically about how democracies get turned into dictatorships democracies aren't overthrown they're given away i feel like this is such a good quote this was in 2005 when he was basically finished with Revenge of the Sith, if not <laughs> tweaking it and doing intense reshoots that completely redid the entire season. the entire movie, essentially. <laughs> no one talks about that. We'll talk about that someday. I just feel like this quote is not only relevant, honestly, but I think it's the idea that democracies aren't overthrown, but they're given away in terms of the struggle of turned into dictatorships is testament to how one must continue to fight and i think that's what rogue one does so well you mm-hmm. know this this you know this small team and how they have impacts on the galaxy with this small fight leads to this small fight that leads to this small fight that is ultimately leads to this biggest fight ever you know yeah yeah, yeah i i agree i think that quote feels timely <laughs> <laughs> sure does sure sure does <laughs> i think that the mandalorian can have this community aspect by the way this yeah. community building aspect through cooperation i think we saw that in the final episode of season one mm-hmm. um and i think it will continue to happen since the like f- basically the final words in season one were, were about like finding the child's origin and his planet and how how can one be a clan of two <laughs> how can some two people be a clan of two while also navigating through the world and um, what community is there for them. And I think that 
will be a major question. Yeah, and I think that's part of like what will be coming in The Mandalorian is that, you know, like Jen at the beginning of Rogue One, she's fighting only for her own survival. That's where we see The Mandalorian in season one. And season one is about like him attaching himself to baby Yoda, right? And then I think in the future, he's going to realize that there's some bigger pieces on the board here. And Mm -hmm. he has opportunity to be a part of that in a positive way. And I, I can, or maybe like, it's just about like, maybe it does end up just about being like that, that relationship with baby Yoda. But I think it's gonna, like, he's throwing himself into the larger galaxy for someone else right now, which I don't think he's ever done before. Not in this kind of way. And there's potential for it to be about something else too with mm-hmm. what is coming down the line. Yeah, I think that's true. I think if we can discuss like what an, ha- like a hope punk ending would look like in Star Wars, I think it, it would be valuable. I think we're at a point in society where everyone living at the end of it is like a radical act. <laughs> and I, it's shocking to me that we've, we've come to this point that shock value we're so numb to it at this point of, yeah, that didn't really do anything for me, you know, in terms of character deaths, especially important character deaths. It's like, it's way more to me. I think uh, I would walk out of the movie theater, be more excited about a story if we had a more uplifting ending. Like if to me, it feels radical for everyone to live underrepresented and underrepresented types of people living, experiencing, overthrowing oppressive systems. To me, I feel like those are all necessary hope punk endings that I would love to see continued in Star Wars. Can agree. (laughs) And like, also, I just wanted to be very over the top, too. Yeah. I think that that's something that is missing. It's like, I can, you can argue a lot of things about this is hope punk, all of Star Wars is hope punk, and here's why. And I, you know what, I think that you could do that personally but i i think that there's an a necessity to be very over the top and deliberate in the choices in the optics in the in the decisions that are made in storytelling in order to be uplifting in order to inspire i don't know well i think some people think that that kind of happy ending is cheesy and that it's therefore bad I mean, you look at the end of Return of the Jedi and it's a big group hug and a party. Like, I think it's pretty cheesy. <laughs> but it's great. But it, but it's so but good. But people thought it was cheesy and still do think they. I mean, yeah, but like, look at where we are now, <laughs> you know? I know. It does, it does feel like we're like constantly surrounded by stories that are, I don't know. Yeah, and like you look at something like if we're, if we're talking about like Dave Filoni works too, it's like you look at something like the ending of Rebels – which kind of, I think, falls in between the Rogue One and Revenge of the Sith ending. But there's that continuity there of where are Sabine and and Ahsoka going next? Like, hashtag where's Ezra, right? And there's also that, like, kind of cheesiness to that she, like, cared about Ezra so much that she stayed to protect Lethal and that there's this, like, mural that's of their family, of their community that they made, that they found together, hidden away on Lethal, like, somewhere that's, like, like emotionally private for Sabine. 
that that like that's mm-hmm. not in like a public space like that's her emotions coming out onto the wall and through her art about what all these people mean and like those those losses in rebels they mean something to the story and they mean something to the characters and they're not just for shock value like that was i think that's why Kanan's death is so well done because it's not just he pushes the button and saves everyone else and dies himself like there's something that comes from that in the story for our characters it it's incredibly impactful for all of them it's not at the last minute they're given time to grieve and to grow from it and it shows Ezra like the choice he has to make and like there's something I don't know there's something like very hope punk about rebels and I think the ending does it like balances it really well I think the Clone Wars ending is again where we are it's like more punk but there's like there's still a lot of hope in that ending from Clone Wars too so it makes me excited for where Mandalorian is gonna go next but yeah I think that like I think that's what we all wanted from the end of Rise of Skywalker, which is like over the top happiness. Because when you're in something that's so long, and I talked about this at the top of the show, you invested so much in these characters and their story to see them go through so much hardship and tragedy to be met with death at the end. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, why? Why Why do I want to love these characters if it's just going to hurt and there's not there's not any kind of payoff? for the surrounding characters and like i think with ben's death of course the payoff here is that ray lives but she doesn't do anything with that grief did she grieve we don't really know like we get to see grief from everyone in rebels we get to see grief in clone wars from ahsoka and rex about what they've lost we don't see any of that like they're i don't know i'm sorry i'm going on like a bit of a rant about like grieving and character major character death here but (laughs) um it's like, why do I want to invest in something that's just going to make me sad at the end of it when I spend a lot of the show being sad, too, about, like, what they're having to go through? <laughs> well, we, we've talked about this before, but I do think the major difference is lack of catharsis yeah. and this ability to process emotions, which in itself is hope punk. The ability yeah. to process emotions, exactly. to stop, to react, to cry. And I think another another really good example in the same vein about Rebels is the very fact that Ahsoka lived yeah. is Hope Punk. Dave talked about it so much about, you know, well, why'd she have to die? You know, yeah. why all the fan conversations were, well, since she's not in Revenge of the Sith, that's it for her. Bye. Like, guess she's going to have to die at the end. Why would I watch The Clone Wars if I already know the ending? Yeah. And guess what? It didn't happen. The radical yeah. act of her surviving. And surviving with the knowledge of only that only so many people know, right? That that Anakin Skywalker was a good person. That Anakin Skywalker turned into Darth Vader. This is stuff that she learns and knows. And I think that her survival is a radical act. Yeah. Well, there's that quote from Dave too about that that like same topic of everyone thought she was going to die, and I think he said something too about. You know, people always say they want like a shocking ending, but the reality is they don't actually. They a character death is is like that's not actually what people want, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he said it pr- uh, fairly explicitly like that. He's like, I've you know characters in my shows have died before, and it's never been like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like people like for characters you grow to love, who you see trial and through their trials and their successes and failures it's it's 
upsetting that survival is not the norm for some of these characters and in some of these stories. So I think, yeah, I want something over the top. I wanted, I wanted, I know we got a group hug at the end of Rise of Skywalker, but it <laughs> wasn't what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> but I want, I want something to be overwhelmingly joyful at the end of trial. I agree. Yeah. There's this, there's this quote in this BTS song. <laughs> Sorry to bring up K-pop, but it's like, it's called So Far Away. And the, the song is all about like, there's a line that says like, may all your trials end in full bloom. And I think that that's like, that's pretty hope punk in itself of like Mm -hmm. the trials that you face, they're hard and they're necessary, but may they end in full bloom. May you get to that happy ending to, to grow through another trial and to bloom all over again. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think about that. I think about that line a lot, like with star Wars and, and like with storytelling and where I want them to end. May all your trials end in full bloom. I think it's important to have those kinds of stories. I totally agree. Yeah, that's a great quote. I think that brings us to the end of the show. I don't know if you have anything else to add about Hope Punk, but I really do think it's important, and I'm really glad that we talked about it. And I feel like this is a little different of an episode than we usually do, but I think it was worth it. Yeah, it's definitely precipitated by what's been going on in media (laughs) for things we follow very personally and and what we watch, what we watch others watching (laughs) online. Yeah. So I hope you guys found it interesting. Um, What what are your favorite hope punk stories? Do you like the term? Are you tired of hearing us say hope punk? (laughs) <laughs> you should let us know you can find us online on twitter at skytalkers pod or our personal handles mine is at caitlin plusher and charlotte's is at clarity we're also online skytalkers.com you can email us or find us on facebook and instagram wherever you want and if you haven't left us for a review on itunes yet we'd really appreciate it if you took a couple seconds or a minute or two to go and leave us a review so that other people can easily find our show And if you're interested in other ways to support us, you can also head on over to our Patreon. Yes. I also want to mention that we, Caitlin and I made a sticker sheet. We haven't (laughs) talked about it on the show once, but we do have some left and they're on our website. So skytalkers.com, you can navigate to shop and they're there. We made a sticker sheet filled with our favorite phrases, including a Dave Filoni hat and the Raylo kiss. It's great. Um, we love it. Caitlin's been using it in her bullet journal. Um, and actually, did you notice that in the latest issue of uh, From a Certain Point of View, Kara's fanzine? Our stickers are in there. Yes, I did. It was very exciting. I know. I was so happy. See, special. We were yeah. like, oh my gosh, we're memorialized in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's great. Yeah, I'm, yeah. we haven't talked about it on the show yet, but they, yeah, it's a fun little sticker sheet on our website if you are interested and if you have any questions, you can contact us on any of our social media channels. Yeah. And I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons, Heidi, Timothy, Emily, Alex, Brian, Paul, One Reply, Tegan, Brittany, Monica, Stephen, Joanne, Sarah, and Kat. Thank you all so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes. Thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. May the force be with you.